open with me to the Gospel of Luke this morning, and we want to focus, we want to see what we can learn from Mary, the account with Mary this morning, because we're in Christmas uh, month, and as we uh, come up to the time as uh, we remember what the Lord has done, we want to... Uh, See, Lord, how the Lord has continue, continually nourishes us and grows us. Last week we spoke about Joseph. We went to the book of Matthew and, and Luke and we, we talked about Joseph. And we saw last week how uh, Joseph, who's so often overlooked in the New Testament, you know, how powerfully God spoke and, and gives us examples through the life of Joseph. We've seen him as a man who was had a heart after God, who followed God, and was uh, had visitations of of angelic visitations because God speaks to. How do you know how many of God speaks to men? And God wants to speak to husbands and to men. Uh, and, uh, we can take our families in the way that God wants us to go. Joseph was a godly man, a godly father, and he walked with the Lord in obedience. And as we see, you know, the New Testament came on the scene with, with uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. You know, the Bible, for 400 years, it says the Bible was silent. There was no, nothing written, nothing given by God for 400 years since the, what they call the close of the Old Testament until the New Testament came into being. And all of a sudden now, with uh, the New Testament comes, and now we have a lot of heavenly activity. Angels are appearing to Joseph, to Mary, uh, to Zacharias. All of a sudden, like heaven opens and it says, all right, now the time is fulfilled. Something is going to happen that's going to transform the people on the face of this earth. And so here we see in Matthew that angels now are coming onto the scene and they're having dialogue with with men like Joseph, with Mary, with with, as we're going to see, Zacharias. And so God does speak to men. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 1, it says, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which are most surely believed among us. Now, this is Luke writing to someone. Who Theophilus actually was, there's, there's a lot of, you know, who was he a real person? Was he a church? Was he an individual? Whatever. But Luke is saying that which are most, I'm telling you things which are most surely believed among us. Luke was a part of that, that crowd that lived in those days. And they believed on the teachings of Jesus. They believed certain things. He's writing not before things happened. He's writing after the fact because he, 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 they went through all these things. They were taught these things and they believed them. Now he's saying, now I'm writing you these things which are most surely believed among us. He's not saying we have some doubt or questioning. We're not sure. He said that these are things that we most surely believe in. Now, is the Bible something you most surely believe in? And that has to be the beginning for us. If we don't believe in the Word of God as being sure for us, then we're, we're going nowhere. We're spinning our wheels and we're not going anywhere. You can read and read and read, but if you don't believe what you're reading as a sure thing, then we're spinning our wheels and you're going nowhere in life. 
and you're not going to see things come to pass in your life. And you're going to say, oh, see, the, the Word of God doesn't work because you're not believing and you're spinning your wheels. But here Luke says, these are things that we surely, surely we believe these things. No doubt. And that's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We believe what the Lord has said, and so we walk. And he says, verse 2, Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. You see, the Bible says, how is anyone going to believe unless there is a preacher who's sent to preach the gospel, right? There was no greater preacher teacher than Jesus. He is the Word of God. And when Jesus came on the scene, he taught and preached the Word of God. And then his disciples, those he trained up, those who he called by his side to go out and to be filled with the Spirit, they began to preach the Word. In verse 3, it seems good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account. You know, God is a God of order. This isn't a haphazard account of things. This is an orderly account of things because God is a God of order. He's a structure. God knows exactly what he's doing, when he's doing it, how to do it. You know, there's no greater one who, there's no greater wisdom than, than God. He is wisdom. And so God does everything in order. There's a time, a purpose for everything under heaven. And it says, verse 4, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. He wants us to be sure and certain of what we know concerning the Word of God. And that's our desire, that we want to be workmen, rightly dividing the Word of truth, knowing it to be true and believing on it. Verse 5 says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both, listen to this, verse 6, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Now this is before the cross, before Jesus has gone to the cross. Before that, there was this man who was a priest, whose name was Zacharias. And he had a time uh, as a priest... He was on a schedule, and every so often he would go into the temple. And But it says of him and, and Elizabeth, it says that they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. So, did he, was he a godly man? Would you say he was a godly man? Did you say, would you say his heart was wanting to do everything that was written in the law up until that time? He was a man that knew the law. He was a priest. Him and Elizabeth, they were godly. Their hearts were right with God. And, and they were now old. They followed God a long time. And it says that they were righteous. They, you know, that they weren't perfect because they needed Jesus as much as we do, but it says that they were righteous, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. The Lord couldn't find, you know, they, no one could point a finger at them and say, look, see? Now, if the Lord examines their life, well, you know, they couldn't get into heaven without the Lord Jesus, because there was something in there. But as far as man goes, we, they, could, they were blameless. There was nothing that they could be found in them. So you would say they believed the Word of God. We could say that that Zacharias and Elizabeth believed the Word of God and were walking the best that they possibly could according to the Word of God. So we would say, wow, 
they are a great example for us. That's what we would say. And it said, verse 7, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. Now, the book of Deuteronomy says that there will be no barren in the land. And yet, here's Elizabeth, a godly woman, right, who's walking according to the ways of the Lord, who is barren. Now, Elizabeth could have said, Lord, your word says there would be no barren among us. Why am I barren? I'm, I'm old and I'm barren. Why? Do you think she had a questioning heart? No. She didn't have a, maybe she couldn't understand it, but she believed the word of God, and the Bible says that they walked in righteousness. Now, sometimes God has a purpose and a plan for not bringing a, a, a scripture to fulfillment in her life. Why was Elizabeth barren when she was walking in obedience to the Lord? Why? Was, what, did God have something against her? Did God, uh, not like her? But she just believed the Word of God and walked with God. And sometimes we say we believe a scripture and we, and we want it for our lives and, and, and somehow we don't see it in our life and we start, sometimes we might start to wonder, how come, how come it's not for me? And now, what do you think? Elizabeth is old now. She's up in age and she's barren. But God has set her apart for a special time and for a purpose. Did God reveal that to her? Did he say, Elizabeth, you're going to be barren until you're old and then I'm going to do a miracle in your life? He didn't tell her that. He just said, you just keep walking, Elizabeth, day by day. You just keep walking according to the, to the commandments. She walked in righteousness even though she didn't see some of the things manifest in her life. And when you see something not manifest in your life, do you continue to walk with God? Or do you start to say, ah, the Lord must have no plan for my life. I must be out of the will of God. Baloney, baloney, baloney. God has a plan for your life. When you belong to the Lord and you are faithful to him and his word, he has cut you out for a special purpose. And why something is withheld from you we don't understand at the moment, but God sees the beginning and the end. He knows why he's doing what he's doing in your life. And so here, Elizabeth, it says, uh, she was barren, and they were, they were well advanced in years. And so it was, verse 8, while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, he, was, he, was, uh, he had a great honor to be in that position. And it says, while he was serving, according to the custom of the priest, that his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple, and the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the, at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And I just want to hesitate right there for one second. You see, it says, your prayer has been heard. What has Zechariah been praying for all, these, all this time? That Elizabeth would be bear a son, right? He was praying that prayer. He was a priest. He was a, he was a the Bible said blameless. He was righteous. He was in there praying, believing God for a son, for a child, right? That's what the Word of God says. I'm not making this up. That's what the Word says. 
And then when Zacharias saw him, uh, and he says, uh, For your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you know, remember I said a while back, I says, when we pray, sometimes the prayer is not answered right away. Sometimes it takes time. Now, we may have prayed a prayer five years ago, and that prayer, we might have forgotten it or gave up on it, but that prayer, prayers don't die. Remember I said that? When it's prayed with faith from a heart that believes God, that prayer goes to the heart of God, and God is going to bring about the answer. So at some point in time, maybe not at that exact moment, but at some point in time, it doesn't say when, Zacharias prayed that his wife would have a child. Now, he may have prayed that prayer years ago because they're up in age now, right? And he's, they're beyond the, the, the time when they should, like, like Sarah and Abraham, when it should have happened. But God, the angel says, your prayer has been uh, heard, and your wife Elizabeth will be your son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness. Whenever God does something in our life, he wants to, he adds joy and gladness to it. Joy and gladness is attached to everything God does in our life. And the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, too, that because we didn't serve God with joy and gladness, certain things that were not good came upon us. Because God wants us to believe with joy and gladness in all things. So now, he should have been joy and he, he should have been filled with joy and gladness at that announcement. His prayer has been heard and answered. You want your wife to have a son? Now she's going to have a son, Zacharias. Have joy and gladness in your heart because God heard you and God is answering you. But you'll call his name John. And for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and whatever, blah, blah. He goes, he shall also be filled with Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn the heart. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He's given Zacharias a tremendous, tremendous uh, word here. And he will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is a tremendous announcement from the angel of the Lord to a man of God who's praying, who's believing God and walking to his word. I'm going to get to Mary. I'm getting to Mary. But I, I need this to, to, to you for you to see this. So here comes the, the angel of the Lord making an announcement to him that there's something miraculous going to happen here, Zacharias. Your wife, your prayer is going to be answered, and your wife now is going to have a child who is going to be so awesome in the kingdom of God for a special call, for a special time, for a special purpose. And many people are going to come to the Lord as a result of this child that Elizabeth is going to bear. I mean, this should have made him jump up and dance and shout in the Spirit and the Holy Ghost in the, in, in the temple there. And the people should have said, what in the world is going on in here? Listen to him shouting with joy and gladness, right? This is a wonderful, wonderful announcement. But Zacharias goes to the angel. Now, remember this, he's old. He said, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Zacharias gave up on his prayer, on his hope that Elizabeth, that God will answer his prayer, that Elizabeth will have, a, will, will have a child. If he was praying that prayer at that time, he would have said, Oh, Lord, thank you for answering my prayer. How wonderful and great you are. But Zacharias must have prayed this prayer a long time ago, and now God is answering it. And now he's saying, Now you show up. 
Now you're going to tell me when we're beyond the years? He's, his, his attitude at that time was one where, an uh, attitude where he gave up on that prayer. He had given up. He didn't, he did not have an attitude of believing the miraculous. And so, you see, although he was a righteous man, he was going through all the right motions, believing God. He was in the right place to receive and hear from the Lord. But when the Lord spoke to him, a miracle is going to take place. His heart wasn't, wasn't receptive. His heart didn't believe in the miracle. He didn't have an attitude of belief. He didn't have the faith to believe God for a miracle. And he says, And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Gabriel's being, this is the angel Gabriel, and he's, he, he's getting serious with Zacharias now because Zacharias' response to him was with an attitude. Now you're going to answer my prayer? When we're old, this is going to, his attitude was not right with God. God wanted to bless him, but he had no attitude. His, he wasn't receptive. And now Gabriel, Gabriel's going to put him in his place. Gabriel says, I am Gabriel who stand in the presence of God. I just told you what I'm going to do, a miracle in your life. And he said, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. This should have made Zachariah's heart glad. But Zachariah gets sarcastic with Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. He Don't ever get sarcastic with the Lord. You're, you're going to be in for trouble if you get sarcastic with the Lord. They ask the Lord a question, Lord, help my unbelief, help me. But when you get an attitude like Zacharias, who was a godly man now, he wasn't an unbeliever, he was a believer, but his attitude got sarcastic with God when God wanted to give him glad tidings and good news, even at an old age. And so he says, but behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because, listen, Gabriel says, because you did not believe my words, which was fulfilled in their, what's it say? In their own time. So that tells you Zacharias' prayer of years ago, he gave up on. He said, well, Lord, I prayed that prayer a long time ago. That's when I wanted the answer. Now you're giving me the answer. And he was getting an attitude. And Gabriel says, you got a heart of unbelief. And so I'm going to shut your mouth until... This miracle comes to pass because God didn't want Zacharias to go around spouting off unbelief. Oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, God could then Why is he answering me now? He could. So Gabriel says, you don't believe me? You got an attitude with God after all these glad tidings? And he said, your mouth is shut. And if Gabriel, when Gabriel, the angel of God shut his mouth, there was nobody else going to open his mouth. And so he took an attitude with the Lord. Lord, you didn't answer my prayer, so I don't want it to happen now. He didn't have gladness in his heart. He wasn't receptive. And so we, when we pray, we got to believe, Lord, you're going to answer my prayer. And it says, in God's own time. It's what it says. In God's own time, he'll bring about the answer to your prayer. Are you believing God for something that maybe didn't happen when you wanted it to happen? But that prayer is with God. And God will bring it to happen when he, when in his own time, when it's best for your life. We might want to pray, and we want things now, Lord. And if it doesn't happen in a day or two or three, we give up hope. That prayer didn't work. Uh, I don't know why it didn't work. God didn't hear me. He doesn't love me. doesn't care. 
the Word of God isn't true, and we walk away and we go into disbelief. We go with an attitude of, of, of lack of, of disbelief. And so when we pray, we have to believe the Word of God that when we pray, He hears us. And when He hears us, it's going to come to pass sometime. If it's today, if it's tomorrow, if it's ten years from now, it will come to pass. We want it now, don't we? Wouldn't it be wonderful if all our prayers got answered like, yeah, pray now, wait five minutes, and here's the answer. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? I would love that. Personally, I would love that. Oh, my God, I would be praying all day long. If we got answers like that, I would, I would do nothing but pray all day long and believe and wait. But it doesn't happen that way. God hears us, and he's about to bring the answer to us, but we have to believe, and we have to hold on to that belief. No matter how long it takes, we've got to believe. I believe in God. I believe in God. I believe in God. And so here he says, uh, you know, he, he shut his mouth until Jesus would be born because of his unbelief. Uh, but the angel, you know, didn't speak to Elizabeth. It says not at long afterward, Elizabeth became with child. So the angel didn't appear to Elizabeth. The angel appeared to Zacharias and said, Zacharias, Elizabeth is going to have a, a son. And he must have, although he couldn't speak, I'm sure he would have, he got nervous and he was writing things down. Elizabeth, you know, I'm sure he wrote down something that, that of his encounter with the angel Gabriel because when he came out of there, he couldn't talk and Elizabeth probably said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, so, but <laughs> I'm only joking, right? But. <laughs> but the angel didn't appear to Elizabeth. He appeared to, to Zacharias, and Zacharias showed disbelief, and we see what disbelief uh, can do for us. Now the account goes in verse number 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now the same angel, Gabriel, who went and appeared to Zacharias, and Zacharias had an attitude of unbelief, the angel Gabriel shut his mouth and said, God is going to bring this to pass, and because you, un you don't believe, I don't want you to speak in unbelief, because this is a great thing that God is doing. And now he comes six months later, Elizabeth conceived six months later, the angel appears to Mary, the same angel, Gabriel, and Gabriel goes to Mary, and... He sh and uh, and verse 28, And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at a saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. You know, here's Mary. Mary was a teenager. Elizabeth was up in age, and Zachariah, Mary is a, is a teenager. Of all, of all the information that can be gathered, it says that Mary was in her teen years. So here's Mary, and all of a sudden now, this angel, now Mary was a, was a woman who believed the Lord. She was raised in a godly house. She believed the Lord. And the angel Gabriel appears to her. Now, Gabe, now when an angel like Gabriel appears to you, I'm telling you, this is an awesome, I mean, it's an awesome time, an awesome sight. And here's Mary like, hello, are you talking to me? Uh, uh, did I walk in in the middle of a conversation here? Is it me? I'm a... T you know, I'm a Gabriel, you know, me. And she's not, she doesn't have an attitude. She has like a, 
oh, she's, she's in awe, like she's in wonder, like me, is there anybody else here? You're talking to me, Gabriel? And uh, she was, she considered, you know, because she'd be, oh, blessed are you among women. I'm a teenager, I'm a young girl. Blessed are you among women? You know, and so she's pondering, she's, she's pondering these things. And uh, it says, uh, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid. Because, you know, the angel's coming with good news. And he's so awesome and so overpowering that, you know, you have, there's a natural, like, if he just raises a finger at me, I'm, I'm fried, you know. But it's like, it's like, the angel said, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You know, we can find favor with God, and we found through Christ Jesus, we have that favor with God, that, that God loves us and cares about us. And he says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Now remember, he's talking to a teenager, a young girl, and here he's telling her, this is, this is, big, this is, a, this is an announcement. You know, this is a major thing that Gabriel is telling this, this, this girl. And he says that he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Here's Mary. And he's given her this news. She's going she's gonna to be pregnant with the, you know, this one who's going to be Jesus, the Messiah, who's going to save the world. Her head has got to be going, whoa, you know, man, this, this is, this is, this is some news here. Talk about a news flash, a news bulletin. I mean, whoa, this is, this is hot off the press here, you know. And so Mary responds. Now remember how Zacharias responded, a godly man who had a, didn't have the right attitude. But here Mary says, how can this be? Since I don't know a man. You see, God told Mary, the angel told Mary that something was going to be birthed in her. And now we got to understand this too, that God wants to birth something in our lives. Remember last week we talked about Joseph. They said, how could anything supernatural come out of Joseph? And here God wants to birth something in our lives through Christ Jesus. And now what is our attitude? Our is our attitude like Zacharias, like, ah, come on, Lord, how could, I, how could you do something good out of my life? You know, it's, it's, I'm too old, I'm too young. It, it doesn't matter. God wants to birth something in your life. That's why he's called you to the cross. When you came to Jesus, God birth, is in the process of birthing something in your life. Do we know what it is exactly fully? No. But we know that God has birthed something in you. He has a purpose for your life in the kingdom of God. He has a purpose for you. You're not sitting here in the seat taking up space. You're not sitting here wondering what, what, what God is going to do, if anything, in your life. God has a plan for every life, every one of you sitting here today. God, the Spirit of God, wants to birth something in every one of your lives. And you need to believe, God, that something wonderful... Something with joy and gladness, something that will fill your life with joy and gladness, something with glad tidings has been imparted to you. And, and you need to, to believe God. You need to have a spirit of joy and rejoicing. Lord, I am yours and I know you have a good plan and a future and a hope for my life. 
And that's what we have to believe God for every day of our lives. Lord, I know you have a good future and a plan for my life. And if we wake up in the morning and we think, uh, uh, you know, that our life is just miserable and blah, 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 we're disbelieving God. We're like Zacharias. Oh, Lord, what good, you know, it's all over now for me, you know, whatever. No, it's just beginning. Your life is just beginning if you believe God. And so when Mary says to the angel, how can this be? She said, how, you know, how can this be? Mary didn't say, well, she says here, she says, uh, how can this be since I know not a man? She's not questioning or doubting him. She's saying, well, okay, but how are we going to do this? Now, there's a difference in saying, okay, Lord, how are we going to make this happen? Because I'm a virgin. I'm not married. So she's not doubting. She's asking, okay, how's it going to happen? So there's a difference, right, between saying, okay, Lord, how's it going to work out now, rather than Zacharias' attitude of, he had an attitude of disbelief and, and sarcasm. So Mary, so now we can, we can, if we didn't know the rest of this, if we were reading this, we would say, ah, Mary's going to get fried now because look at her response. But that's not so. Mary's response was, okay, Lord, is, all right, Gabriel, okay. Now, how are we going to make this happen? How is this going to come about? Because I don't know a man. I'm not married. You know, like it's news to Gabriel. You think Gabriel didn't know? Oh, I'm sorry, Mary. I didn't, I didn't notice you didn't have a ring on your finger. I'll, I'm sorry. I'll go to the next house. You know, Gabriel knew. Gabriel knew, right? And so sometimes we try to say, Lord, but I'm... I don't have what it takes. Yes, you do. In God's economy, you have what it takes. In God's kingdom, you have what it takes. Because God would never have, uh, he doesn't let people just sit, sit there for no reason or cause. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And it says, now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. Now, he, now this is very interesting, because he's making a major announcement to Mary. Mary says, okay, how are we going to do this? The Gabriel begins to tell her, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is going to work this and make it happen in you. But he also goes on to tell her something. He says, now indeed, Elizabeth, your cousin. You know Elizabeth, your cousin? Yeah. She has conceived a son in her old age. And you hear what he's saying? In her old age. And this is now the sixth month. He's specific. This is the sixth month that she's with child. So he met, Gabriel makes Mary aware. He, he wants Mary to make a connection with her and Elizabeth, her cousin. Because now Mary knows Elizabeth is a godly woman. A woman who's been walking with God, who's been... Uh, believing the word of God. Elizabeth is not an unbeliever. She's not one who questions God. She's, she believes God. And so the angel Gabriel, he didn't have to tell her about Elizabeth, but he does. He, he makes the right connect. You see, God begins to connect you with the right people. When God wants to do some, a miracle in your life, when God wants something great to come about, he connects you with the right people. And so here he makes... He tells Mary about Elizabeth, and it says, and that, uh, Elizabeth, and uh, 
For he says, verse 37, and this is what is, is so powerful too. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Do you believe that? Do you believe it in your heart? I'm not just talking about shaking the head yes, and I'm not making light of anything. I'm not talking about us shaking our heads yes, and I'm talking about in your heart. Do you believe nothing is impossible with God? Do you believe that God hears your prayer, that he's an answerer to your prayers, that he's working out good things in your life, and that God wants to bring us together, make godly connects for great things to happen? And uh, so we have to believe that with God, nothing is impossible. You know, and it says, uh, then Mary said, behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary could have started to think right away about, I'm a teenager. I'm going to be pregnant. What's my family going to think? What are my... What are my friends gonna gonna think? All this here, she could have she could have had started to think on all those things. But Mary, right away, she says, "I'm gonna believe God because He is the He is my God. I'm gonna believe Him, and He's my gain." She didn't start to think of things, and she didn't look upon her circumstances, or she didn't start to think of what people might say. She said to Him, "She said, Lord." Let it be to me according to your word. So Mary, in essence, and now I don't want to make light of this, but you remember that man, I believe what was his name, Todd Beamer, who was on that airplane when when the situation and circumstances were bad, he said, he said, let's roll. And you know, and Mary kind of said to the angel, Okay, let's roll. Let's do it. Let's make this thing happen. You know what I'm saying? And she didn't care about the circumstances. She said, I'm gonna stand up with courage and trust you and go forward. And so Mary was saying, okay, let's do it. Let's let let's let this prophecy come forth. So Mary was now excited about what the angel she she caught it in her heart and she said, let's go. Let's do this. Let's let let's go, God. Let's let it happen, Lord. Let let's go forward. So Mary now has an excitement in her soul, in her spirit that what God said is going to come to pass. Now she's getting She's starting to get the, the Holy Ghost, you know, whoo! And she's, 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 she's getting excited now. And it says, now Mary, verse number 39, now look at this. It says, uh, and then the, the angel of the Lord departed. And soon as the angel departed, it said, now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with, what's it say? With haste. It means she booked. She got in there and put the metal to the, the pedal to the metal. And she says, I'm getting to Elizabeth's house. Now, why did she go to Elizabeth's house? Because the angel of the Lord made the connect, made the godly connect. He said, now, Elizabeth, your cousin, who has been barren, is with child. So Mary knew this wasn't a natural thing. This was a miracle. So Mary knew a miracle was being birthed in her. So Mary could have quickly ran to her friends, her girlfriends. You think Mary had girlfriends? I'm sure she did. Girlfriends, girls have girlfriends, right? She could have ran to her girlfriends and said, hey girls, guess what? Gabriel appeared to me and I'm gonna, but she didn't go to her girlfriends. She didn't go to Joseph, who she was a spouse to. She didn't go to her family, her mom and dad, and say, hey folks, guess what? Gabriel just appeared to me. So, Mary, see that the angel, God made a godly connect with a godly woman of like faith. God connects us to people with like faith. Had Mary gone to her friends for advice, 
What do you think? The angel appeared to me. What do you think? They would have started sowing unbelief. Oh, come on, Mary. You, come on, you. So, so as she went to her family, what if she went to Joseph at that time? Joseph, you know, things would have started to happen. So Mary, with haste, quickly goes and say, the bells go off. Be, you know, okay, I, Elizabeth, I got to go see Elizabeth. So Mary, with haste, goes to Elizabeth's house, and it says she stood there. She stood there for three months, the Bible says. There was a, 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 there was a Holy Ghost revival taking place at Elizabeth's house because Mary needed someone who was going to now agree with her, come together and say, yes, we've got to believe God. Now, this is a major thing for Mary. So Mary goes to Elizabeth's house. Uh, and in verse uh, number, let me see, verse number, uh, uh, verse 40, and entered the house of Zacharias and agreed in Elizabeth. Then it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she goes on to say, you know, all of this here, my soul magnifies, and you need to read that. We can't read that all now. And my spirit. So the Holy Spirit that was uh, made her, 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 her babe leap. So there was the connect there. Now, what do you think? Mary, Elizabeth had to be sharing with Mary how it's a miracle, how God is a miracle-working God, and, and she's believing it. And now Mary tells, Mary can open her heart and confide with, uh, with Elizabeth because these are two people of like faith. So Mary, they had us, they were, they spent three months together. What did they do in that three months? They prayed together. They encouraged each other. They meditated on the Word of God, on the promises of God, on the blessings of God. You know, the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. And here, Mary had to get rooted in this miracle. She had to get prepared because she knew she was a teenager. She knew that when she went back to tell Joseph, and she knew she had to tell Joseph, she had to tell her family, her friends were going to see her. What was she going to do? So she had to get herself rooted in the Word of God that this is of the Lord, and nothing that I hear or see is going to shake me or make me disbelieve. And so we've got to get into a place where we're around believers who are going to say, hang on to the promise of God. No matter what someone says, no matter what your parents say, and know sometimes you're believing God for something and people around you will say, you really believe that? Come on. It's, healing is not for today. You believe in God for a healing in your body? You know, and, you, and those seeds of disbelief. But when you get around someone who says, no, let's believe God. We'll continue to believe God for your healing that we're going to see. This is going to be manifest. This is going to happen. Whatever, whatever your prayer is. So here they, they connected and they were encouraging others. They were, they were having a party in Jesus, in the Lord. Hallelujah. So the Holy Ghost left in her womb and they were rejoicing. They, I bet they sang hymns and songs and, and they were, they were having a good time. I guess, uh, those two. And, uh, verse 57 and verse 56. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Now, when, when, when Elizabeth was six months pre pregnant, Mary was there. She was there three months and now she went to leave. Why? Because now Elizabeth was going to bring forth her son. It was time for John to come forth. And now Mary returns to her house. And uh, verse 57, now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered and she brought forth her son. And uh, we see now in verse 56, Mary returns home. She has to tell Joseph what transpired. 
But you see, in Mary's case, she believed the angel of God. She believed the word of God. And the, the minute she, re she received that, she went to someone who would confirm that in a positive way with her, who would encourage her and see her through the process. Then she's able now to go back and to face Joseph. And then she goes back, and you know the story as we, we talked about it last, uh, last week. And Mary, uh, when, she, when she goes, you know, as you read that Magnificat and all that stuff, we see what the things should be coming out of our mouth that are blessing. And in Luke chapter 2, go with me to Luke chapter 2, verse number 19. When Mary uh, was in Bethlehem, in the manger, and remember that God spoke to the angels, I mean, the angels spoke to the shepherd, and then the shepherds went in, and they saw Mary with the babe, and they started encouraging Mary. Verse 19, it says, But Mary kept all these things that the, that the shepherds had said and pondered them in her heart. Mary had a heart that was receptive to, to the Word of God. And she pondered these things. She meditated on them. They weren't light things. She took these seriously. And she meditated on them. Mary's heart was a storehouse of God's Word, past, present, and future. God knew, she knew where she, where she came from. She knew who she was presently, and she knew that there was a future for her life. So Mary was a storehouse, past, present, and future of the Word of God. And there's great things to think about in the Word of God. Mary pondered them. She heard them. She didn't have, she didn't have the Bible as we have it to read it and to meditate on it. But what she heard, and that's the other thing, what we hear in the house of the Lord, we have to be receptive to and God, put it in our hearts and ponder it. And we need to be quick to respond to what we hear in the house of the Lord too. Whenever you hear a word of God come forth and there's a, a challenge or a call, we need to be responsive to that and respond immediately to it so that we can be recipients of what God wants to do at that moment in time. In verse no, chapter number 2, verse number 35, and I just want you to see this also. Now, Mary had good news. And remember I said God doesn't tell us everything all at one time. He tells us what we need to know for the time we need to know it. You know, I said last week, Lord, oh, I wish God could show us the whole movie so we could see how everything plays out in the end. But God only gives us act one. This is it. you got to believe it and, and take what I give you now and go forward. And here... In verse number 2, chapter 2, verse 35, they, after Jesus was born, and uh, they go to Jerusalem, and Simeon, the prophet of God, meets Mary in the house in the temple. And Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Here, Mary has such wonderful news from Gabriel that she was going to bear a child, that she could go to Elizabeth, and they, they could really bond and have a great time of fellowship. And after Christ is born, then the angel comes to her and says, the next part, Mary, is that your heart is going to be pierced. Sometimes we don't want to hear that. Mary didn't want to hear that her heart was going to be pierced after she just gave birth to the Messiah. But did Mary need to hear that? Yes, she did. Because 
the greatest part in Mary's life, Mary was always receptive to the word to, to the word of God. And we don't know and we can't understand everything that God has in store for our life, but we have to follow the Lord day by day by day. We don't know God's total plan for our life. But when we're on the mountain, we gotta follow God. When all that news is good and great and wonderful, we gotta follow God. When we're in the valley and it doesn't seem like everything is going right, we've gotta follow God and be hold on to the promises and the word of God. See, Mary was on the mountaintop here. You know, here's here's the Messiah is born, Jesus is there, and you know, and she's got she's gonna go through a period where she's gonna see firsthand the miracles of Jesus. She's going to be right with him, watching all the miracles and everything that's going to be done. But now she knows, she hears from the prophet, and she can't understand it. She can't comprehend it, that her heart is going to be pierced. How many of you look forward to having your heart pierced? Your ears, maybe. You might look forward to having your ears pierced, but not your heart. Nobody wants our hearts pierced. But in in God's had to tell Mary, he and these are things she pondered as she went. It, it was in help for preparation of what was going to come about in the final times. You see, Mary's greatest day was when her son was born. And then her heart was pierced when she stood before Calvary's cross and she watched him as he hung and died. Think about it, how her heart was pierced according to Simeon's prophecy. But when Jesus was resurrected, when she saw her son, Jesus, the Messiah, resurrected. That was the greatest day in her life. And that's the day that we live in. We remember the birth of Christ and all that God did to make the way, as how he spoke to Joseph, how he spoke to Mary, how he spoke to Zacharias, how he brought about the miraculous birth of Christ. And that is we have to remember and give thanks always to God for bringing the Son of God into this life. But he went to the cross. But the greatest thing in what we live in is not in the birth of Christ. We live in the resurrection of Christ Jesus. And so he married, although there was a wonderful news of the Messiah was born, but your heart would be pierced. But after that, after your heart is pierced, it will be healed. It will be made whole because you will see Jesus in glory. And that was the greatest thing that Mary can ever do. My wife handed out a little thing to each and every one of you is on the table. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful article. And part of that article, I want to read it to you. It says, maybe you need a Christmas miracle to be pregnant with the hope of the impossible, to have relationships restored, to have dreams renewed or hurts healed, hearts comforted, to see God with you in a real way. Do you want to become pregnant today with the hope of the impossible? Do you want to believe God for restored relationships? Whatever it is in your life, do you want to believe God to, to, to come and do a miraculous move in your life, to birth something in you? I want you all to stand this morning as we close here. We have to believe God as, as we see here. Mary says, yes, Lord, let it be. Let it be. Birth in me what you desire. And God wants you to be people who will believe him for something in your life. It's not only what God wants for your life, that's the priority. But we need to believe God that he'll show us what it is he wants for our lives. But God also wants to hear from you. What do you want to believe God for today? What kind of 
impossible thing do you want to believe God for? Don't believe God just for little things. Believe God for impossible things. That in the natural, you can't see any way it can happen. But in the miraculous, in the supernatural, God can make it happen. And God wants you to believe him for the impossible. Because the angel said to Mary, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. And so this morning, we want to believe God as a people for something impossible in our lives. That will dare to believe him. He can make the impossible happen in our family, in our situation, in our life. Lord, I dare to believe you. Let it be. And so I want you to just take a moment this morning. Don't look around. You just close your eyes if you want to or keep them open. But you believe God. I want you to pray and believe God. I want you to ask God for something impossible that seems impossible. And I want you to believe him. Put it before him and believe him that someday, sooner or later, you will see it come to pass in your life. And when you pray that, I want you to leave it in God's heart and believe that it will come to pass, that you will see it someday come to pass in God's own time. But pray and believe God for something that looks or appears to be impossible for you to accomplish or perform in your life.